Okay, we are back with another episode of Peaced Off, the official podcast of Fantasy Ski Racer, um, and newly reformatted as the official podcast of Ski Racing. So we're opening up the doors. I'm back with Joe Dunn, head U16 coach of the Park City Ski Team, who is also um, multitasking, which any good, great coach, leading coach needs to do. And uh, Joe, that is, uh, you are um, also... uh, taking care of your little guy Bryce David right now. Is that true? It is true. He is up from his nap, but we will plow on here as long as uh, he can just blow raspberries and not start screaming too much. <laughs> Terrific, Joe. Terrific. Um, Joe, we were talking about it earlier, um, about slalom skiing, and uh, I, I completely agree with you with, you know, I, I, I used to think that I'm a big fan of the rise line drill. I, I think having a brush at the rise line, having your depth, having your angle of attack, that is one of the hugest components um, right now to to having success, no matter no matter what, what you're talking about. And so in GS, I've always put a brush there. I've always used that as a mark. But now I'm starting to think, do we need to put that in slalom? I am right there with you. You know, that was I was watching that race this weekend and just, okay – I don't want to put a brush in slalom. I really don't. But how else do I convey this? How do we get the kids to turn above the gate, to come through clean underneath, and actually start attacking the course versus just reacting all the way down? Absolutely. I mean, I think there's uh, there's an excitement to slalom. The plowing through the plastic is kind of an empowering feeling when you just crush gates. But really, it's you want to crush a clean ski. <laughs> Absolutely. The cleanest skier is probably going to win. Absolutely. Well, that's that's uh, you know one of the simplest fundamental truths to ski racing: cleanest ski. Uh, I'd also argue in slalom that whoever can stay on the top of their boot the longest is probably the winner. Uh, I think that we could probably argue it from multiple directions all day, but let's just stay on track here for top of the gate, right? Well, the fall and line skiing above, mm-hmm. not skiing below. Because I think that's the number one issue we're looking at right now is just kids making their turn, putting their pressure after the gate. You know, and I think that does come from that chasing plastic mentality. Got to hit it. Got to turn. Turning earlier is faster, right? Um, I remember in college at UNH, the mantra was early as shitty. <laughs> well, that was, that, was back, that was back in the day where you could sit back and it would work. <laughs> Yeah, you know, but it wasn't too much. I mean, we're on 165 slalom skis, same equipment we are now. And when you start, I know when I started skiing above the gate and coming through it, like all of a sudden I could control where I wanted to go. I could dictate my run to the course versus just the reactionary and and really took off in my own skiing. I think the other thing, yep, go ahead. You know, I think this is something we need to hammer down at a younger age. Um but it's it's so difficult to do when, as you were saying before, the success is being had with skiing below the gate because the entire field's doing it. Yeah, I think um, you know, it, it against the fall line, you're always going to get tension in in uh, with that ski on the ground, on the snow. Um, clearly, the the goal is to have that above the gate um, because that's with gravity. That is your friend. That is that is free speed, but. It's hard when you if you're skiing on steep snow, steep hills all the time to really understand what that feeling is. I mean, you almost need to go take the kids onto a sprint track 
and have them skate through these turns to understand what pushing against the ski above the gate really can do for you. Um, and the other thing too, Joe, is when you're when you're skiing behind it and making that turn below the gate, you are chopping off the amount of time uh, you have in your transition to prepare for a good platform for the next turn, um, which is which is ultimately really, I mean. You know that's what that that's what you're looking for. That's what you want. You want that moment above the gate where where that ski just hooks up and comes out and back. And um, you know against the fall line, it feels easy. It's easier to achieve. And I think that's something that's kind of getting lost here. Sure. Yeah, uh, the kids they 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 lack that feeling, right? And I <laughs> this looks to me to be an American problem, maybe even a North American problem. Yeah. Because when I watch the World Cup. I see all the Euros skiing above the gate. Right. Right? I see Michaela. I see Daver skiing above the gate. And then we get into the kind of the rest of our teams, the rest of our athletes, and it just kind of gets progressively worse and worse. Well, right? I, well I think the kids, I mean, the kids are clearly, I mean, need to be watching more video. They need to be watching more variety of video. Um, it can't be just them skiing run after run because then their, their, their basis of video is basically, you know, them and some of the other fast kids on their team versus ski racing as a whole. Um, and you know, everybody goes home, they go, Oh, I was watching world cup. I was watching the race last week. I was watching Val I was watching, you know, um, Levy and it was so cool. And he made this mistake and he recovered, but it's like, yeah, but did you see where the feet were the entire time? above you know through through the whole through the whole run did you go back on nbc online or youtube or whatever and slow it down and watch where those feet are going you know sure. did you pay attention to the boring part in the middle where whoever was above the gate and just skied it cleanly and didn't make up or lose any time yeah and and are you looking at the things that you're working on like if i'm if my biggest if my biggest focus is strong inside half Am I watching Christofferson and looking at his inside half, comparatively speaking to mine, or am I just getting stunned, just blown away, going, "Wow, look how fast he's going!" You know, you got to be a student of the sport, right? And you have to relate it back to what you're trying to do. Absolutely. How many of those athletes on the World Cup have a perfectly clean spine angle, very upright, particularly in slalom, right, with all the rotation going on in the legs below them? And every day that athlete goes to the hill, it's, okay, let's get your chest up. Let's get your chest up. Square, it up. square up your shoulders. Square up your shoulders. And then they watch a World Cup. They don't see one guy rotating, mm-hmm. right? But the, it's, it's, there's too much stubbornness possibly in the athlete to say, I, this is a change i got to make. I can't keep working on it. I well, need to do it. Well, I mean, especially when you get into in season, it's like to take a step back in your skiing – is really hard because you know you might think you can't afford to do that right now. I got to focus on trying to win right now, and this is what's working. So, in terms of taking the time to reevaluate and reposition myself, or or tactically, or or technically, or whatever, like it doesn't seem like an advantageous thought. Which brings me back to last episode's conversation with early season prep, in that you know being able to be afforded the time to do that. Where there isn't a race on, on on the horizon where you can say, okay, well, I can really take a couple of weeks and try to do this. I mean, the other thing too, Joe, is, um, you know, I ask, I ask, I talk to kids all the time, you know, because I, I relate depth to a room at the gate, 
to um, being, you know, making it makes your skiing very easy. It makes makes turning around a gate very smooth, very very easy. But if you're caught caught up with crushing plastic and then getting that tension on the outside ski below the gate, it's terribly inefficient, and you end up getting done your run with you know let's say anywhere from 30 percent 30 to 50 percent more energy put into those turns than you needed agreed you know when you when you find the top of the turn skiing's actually very easy and it's and it's and it's fun it's like over the top like one of the best feelings like you know i think of marcus Casson's return of the turn like dude turning is 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 getting that ski to arc the way you know correctly or proficiently is an is an amazing feeling. Oh, yeah. I, I I in in talking about our prep period, you know, we were over and we skied in a basin, and there was a guy with his pants literally the waistline of his pants was at his knees, the crotch was somewhere around his calf, <laughs> and he was making fun of us in our race skis. And I just looked at him I'm like, dude, you, you have never felt the feeling of truly bending the ski and feeling those G-forces and literally flying through the middle of the turn where you've turned gravity to the outside. It's a beautiful feeling. And that's one thing I just say, I think too, is, is, is what, um, you know, we've kind of uh, learned from Ted over the years, or at least for me a little bit is like putting that ski on edge and getting that ski to bend. That's how you build speed, letting the ski run straight on a flat ski down the hill you know, at that point, you've really only got gravity on your side. But to get the ski to tilt on edge, getting it to bend, that's how you build speed. So you want to have a very proficient top of your turn because you want to create speed. And sure. if you're and if it's happening below the gate, you're not creating it. It's just it's just a managing feeling. It's it's the same thing as like you know you learn in, in PSIA where you're managing the turn versus trying to create speed from it. You know. So at that point, the turn just becomes a management tool. I find myself so often trying to talk a kid out of gaining seven tenths by cleaning up the mistakes in a run to changing their technique, truly putting the pressure in the right spot and gaining four seconds. Right. Or or losing four seconds. Right. I mean, when when I get a kid who's very athletic, you know, a good football player on the football team who is six seconds out in the race but they're they're just trying to clean up that one mistake in the hairpin whoa 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 let's let's change your mentality let's change your your philosophy on on ski racing more you know specifically slalom skiing right now and let's gain four seconds to get within two seconds of the leader because all of a sudden you're riding a clean ski through the whole course and you've you, you really are carrying speed, real speed, not just going fast in your mind because you're hitting gates and you're barely getting by. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when you start isolating sections or, you know, specific mistakes, I mean, that's something you should you can do as, a, I think, a top 15 or someone who's really in, in, in it to win it or is, is really like, you know, um, is very close to winning, has the expectation of winning. Yeah, then you could say, okay, you know, that hairpin – you spoke of maybe it did cost you the difference between first or uh, fifth and third, but you know if you're anywhere outside of that, I mean, it's it, I agree with you and I love that perspective of you, Joe. Is that it's got to be a concept thing, right? Because it's not just one turn. I mean, turns are turns. You got a left turn, you got a right turn, okay, and and 
you know, developing your ability to do those things, to, to, to do two turns that are really clean and exceptionally proficient, that's going to, that's going to do more for you in the long run than just trying to clean up, uh, your, how you enter or exit a, a hairpin. Absolutely. Because it, it, essentially that should transfer across your entire run. You yeah. You're, you're look, now you're talking about 40 good turns versus, uh, you know, 35, uh, uh, okay turns with, with a mistake yeah. in the middle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right? And, you, and you could take those 40 good turns and you could actually, it, it, you, those 40 good turns where you never really are maybe hammering as hard as you thought you were, mm-hmm. you know, as the athlete that 40 good turns where you never really took any risk, you know, you just a, in your mind, a clean, conservative run, and all of a sudden you're like, "Oh, but I'm, but but now here I am. I'm I'm in this race. No, I'm not all the way up there winning because that it really takes some risk and it really takes some hammering to truly achieve in the sport and, and compete and win. But hey, I, you know, if I was in the 50s and all of a sudden I just I actually dialed it back and now I'm in the 30s, that's a victory. Right. Right. I, and coming back to uh, a little more um, uh, fundamental or develop or like um, skill development standpoint, I think one of the things that I'm finding right now, and and it makes me think about the different generations and, and you know generations in skiing, you can chop up by by how by equipment, right? What the skis were doing, not necessarily by age. And I think the one thing that the 35s did for um, a lot of kids skiing right now is that they realize, okay, um, I don't have to arc every turn or, you know, I can, you know, I, I can get, a, I, I, I need to, my ankle mobility needs to be better than it was versus now with the, with going back to a little bit shorter radius. Um, now, you, you know, we can go back to that kind of 27 era where uh, some kids kind of got away with a little bit more lateral movement than, than before with, uh, you know, kind of eliminating that fore aft feeling. And I think that one thing that I'm really, really starting to look at and, and kind of identify as something we really need to do or I, I, the problem we really need to identify is that kids can't not arc. Like they want to lock that ankle up, put the ski on edge and let it come around for them versus putting themselves in a position where they're dictating the radius. So, you know, we're talking about this concept in the, in inside the gates right now, whereas now let's bring it outside the gates and talk about the fact that, you know, um, you know, you, you're, 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 you definitely have tact or technical flaws. And so like right now we've been working on a lot of just like, uh, you could do a lot of edge sets. You could do like the the stivy, the um, the slide and um, whatever uh, pivot slips. Uh, but you know, I'm going back love to pivot slips. love pivot slips. But I'm going back to just old school turns. And I and I'm and I'm and this is how I'm identify. Uh, this is how the kids identify the drill is old school turns in that you know six meet like a six meter turn where you're sliding the edge the whole time. You could do it with your boots unbuckled, chest down the hill, pole plants, the whole thing. So it attacks a lot of things. It's almost like um, right up there with one skiing in my or one ski skiing in my mind right now because you're cre- all of a sudden you're creating more ankle mobility and trying to um, create an opportunity for your ankles to kind of breathe more throughout the turn versus trying to lock them up and create an arc. Mike Day when he was um, during one of his stints with the national team when he was the head men's tech coach 
you know, he, he came out and said it like, we have a problem with not arcing. Like you, there are moments in a course where you need that skill to keep, keep your line. If you keep trying to arc the ski, I mean, tech skiing is not like speed skiing, speed skiing. If you get off the line, you know, be patient, let that ski run, get, you can get that line back in three or four gates, hopefully then, but in tech skiing, you want that, you want to get back in the line the second you get off of it, right? And that's where this, the redirect, the stiv, the slark turn, that's where it comes into the play. And you need to have that skill because um, let's just face it, the, 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 on the World Cup, that the terrain that they experience and some of the stuff that we experience in the U.S., like at an Aspen or a Sun Valley, like you need to have that skill set in your bag of tricks for sure. I couldn't agree with you more on this whole subject. Um, when, I was, when I was a race rep, Right, working within the industry, I was traveling around to a lot of races, right, and just watching ski racing, standing with coaches, and yeah, I had some dogs in the fight in terms of the kids on my product, but really, just watching skiing, it was a real pleasure because I got to observe, and the number of course reports, the number of coaches that just were simply hammering down, carve the top, carve the top, carve the top. It kind of drove me crazy. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why why are you asking a kid to carve the top and maybe make it through this section? Let's just get a little slide here. Get in there. Right? And then the kid the kid can set himself up for the next whole zone. So yeah. I actually see this, and, and, and I love where you're coming from on this. I see this as being a, another, going back to an American problem. Mm-hmm. You know? Where we, we're we're putting too much emphasis on the carve in, and and the kids are hearing hearing it and they're feeling it, and the kids are only willing to carve into the turn, you know, because that's what's getting beaten down into them. And really, this slide that you're talking about has been vilified. Bring up the word "stiv" around a group of coaches and just watch their heads explode. <laughs> it's it's insanity. It's insanity. And then and then we we will go and we'll give credit to the stiv for Ted Winnen and Sochi. You know, that move he makes on that last pitch, pitch in that GS is, without that, he's out. Well, I think at the same time, though, Ted has got a relationship with his own skiing and is such a savant and a student himself that, you know, I think in a situation like that, he knows that if I do, if I just manage myself a little bit right here, I'm not giving away too much and I'm also going to set myself up for the next you know, a uh, series of gates versus just trying to go in there willy nilly and then blowing out. And I think that's what we see a lot with our slalom team is that they're trying to arc into everything versus trying to manage sections or moments in the race, um, you know, and, and trying to hammer through that. I mean, not every race is a sprint start to finish, you know, you, you kind of give it, give it that marathon approach or at least, some sort of a journey approach where you have sections and you have to manage the sections. Um, I think, you know, the, the thing too about, you know, these, all you, what you talk about on the side of the hill, carve the top of the turn. Well, the other thing too is if that kid's not doing that in training or doesn't have a very clear understanding of what that is from in their own skiing, then how do you expect them to do that in the race day? Not to mention why on a course report, and, and I'm assuming you're talking about a course report from the side of the hill, but why would you be talking about that on a course report? That should have already been a discussion or a gimme right from the beginning, right? Like, of course you want to carve the sure. top of your turn. Sure. And, you know, the, I, there's a lot of – we got a lot of good coaches out there, and I'm definitely speaking to a couple um, 
you know, specific personal examples. Um, but just in general, right. I find myself falling into this trap too of, okay, let's focus on the top of the turn, right? Cause if you enter into the turn properly, then you have a chance to come out. But I really try and always bring it back to, um, finishing the turn properly. If you finish carving, then you have a chance to start carving into the new one. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it, it, we always talk about the chicken or the egg, start of the turn and finish of the turn. Oh, absolutely. And so it's, for me, it's, 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 it's tough. And I I have to check myself often and, and the whole coaching staff, we're always checking ourselves. Okay. Are we, was there a proper completion here so we can start talking about that carve in? Mm-hmm. Okay. And a, proper completion philosophically in my mind is so much more important than a carve in you can slide into the top all day but if you're not coming clean out or if you're if you're not standing over the outside ski at the bottom you're not competitive yeah yeah i hear you i mean and, and 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 i agree with you in terms of this like you know philosophical coaching struggle in that you know you know, do you talk about the start or the or the bottom? And I think, yes, for for in terms of conveying a message to an athlete, I think you're absolutely correct. But the thing that I that always kind of second guesses me is that do you start the course with a finished turn? No, you start the course with the top of a turn. Mm, well, don't you skate into the first skate? Well, hopefully, and hopefully that's so, and so hopefully that skate is what's with a completion because you're skating, you're not starting the turn, and you're standing on the outside ski, bringing it through. Yeah, but hopefully, and hopefully that skate is what is helping you set yourself up to have good ankle flexion and drive a uh, good femur drive through the turn. You know what I mean? Absolutely. That skate should be. That's one of my favorite drills to add tempo to your skiing, and it also helps link them all up. So, so you right from the get go, you need to have a game plan that puts you're skiing right where it needs to be for the remainder of the course. Now, that being said, I do agree with you that uh, I'm not going to, I can't, I could play devil's ad kid on this, but I, I'm going to go ahead and just for argument's sake, agree with you here um, in that. Yeah. The bottom of the turn is super important. Um, you know, cause there is, there is, uh, I know years ago when uh, you know, I was in some coaching forums, you know, Ron Kip said, okay, we have no data on a pitch that says, um, carving the top of your turn is faster than uh, feathering it or a stivy. But but I think you're right. I mean, if the, the bottom line is the more time you spend on your downhill ski after the gate, the more time you're spending against gravity and the less time you're giving yourself to have a proper transition or to establish a platform to start the next turn clean. So yeah, getting into the bot the bottom of the turn, the second you get by that gate, if you could start moving weight transferring to the uphill ski, which is eventually going to become your new outside ski, now you're giving yourself a chance. I I I look at it like you want to draw that bottom the bottom of the turn out a little bit further because you gotta to get to the rise line, right? Yeah, no, you need to have and I think you need to patience. Long, how how many ski lengths is it between your weight transfer and your initiation? To get to the rise line. Hmm. I'll pose that to you. Well, I think it, I, I go back to the brushes and setting the brush in the rise line. I think the thing, uh, A, I, I just use one brush because I think it's easier for, you know, younger kids to to make that adjustment with one thing versus like, you know, the wall drill where you had like three brushes on the outside of the turn. That, that to me was just too much to follow. I think 
it's too much visual. I think, I think tactically speaking, I you need to be it. looking. You need, you need to be, the gate needs to be in your periphery, but the snow, where in the snow you want to start your turn needs to be exactly what you're looking for. You know, and in, and in slalom, I think it gets lost at the higher level for younger kids to see that in the upper level because at that point they're using the periphery for everything, and they also have a, an, an idea or a feeling that they've ingrained in themselves, like uh, of how how far they want to wait before they roll it over. You know, that's a feeling that they've developed for themselves, just and it's become second nature. Whereas, you know, at the younger level, what we're coaching. You know their eyes are fixated on the gate, whereas you really need to be fixated on a place in the snow where you want to start your turn, and that could be very thematical. I call that um, inspecting a course fall line to fall line. <laughs> we want to be inspecting where your pressure is going to go at the top of the turn, not necessarily how far over across the hill the next gate is, but like where do you need to start that turn to complete it properly and get to the new turn. And, and the right spot in the next gate. Yeah, and if you're doing that rise line drill on, at every in every session or almost every session, the kids have an idea of, oh, okay, this is where I want to be. Or when you do the inspection with them, it's like this is where the brush is. And they go, oh, that's where the brush is? Okay. Like I get that. I know where that is. So pulling it back into a reference of something that they know is very helpful in that regard. Like versus, you know um, – you know, carve the top of the turn or get above the gate or whatever. Like, what does that even mean? I mean, I guess it's all relative to what the conversation is you're having with your athletes, but I think you need to be more specific than that. I think younger kids do need a little bit more black and white and they, they can develop the concepts, but the, the concept does need to be delivered in a black and white scenario because otherwise they're just going to kind of fade into, they, they might just fade into something that, you know, what... It, be early, you know, be above the gate. Well, you could still be early and above the gate and be late, you know? Well, yeah, and, I, and that, that happens when kids are too high on the rise line, right? And right. they get themselves caught up in the fall line, and they've lost outside ski pressure because they're way inside. And now all of a sudden they're even lower than the kids that are turning at the gate because they just caught all that speed in the, in, coming, through, uh, coming through the fall line. And now they're jamming on their skis below. Right, exactly. It's so tough. It's so tough. It's such a small zone that you get to enter in the top with. Right. And, and, and um, you know, I like the word patience. Patience in your transition. letting your, Allowing yourself to give yourself the time to let that ski come across the hill to above the gate a little bit more um, so that you have that room. A lot of people, you know, in other coaches' forums that I've been in, they're like, I, I don't like this word patience because it, it tells it, – it makes me think that the kids are going to relax or I'm relaxing. I, and, I had this very conversation on the van ride up to Jackson with our uh, men's fist coach, Will Courtney. Mm -hmm. he, he, he agrees. He doesn't like the word patience. Now, I could go either way on it. Um, well, what's the next best I word? to describe this is ski the skis back underneath you stay on the outside ski longer right um to 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 not get that relaxation that you may get from patience yeah but i i also don't like the idea of staying on the outside ski longer because the longer you're on that outside ski below the gate the more that shovels digging into the snow i, I i'm more of a proponent of the second you go by that gate, the second your apex is over, start moving to the inside ski and you can let that inside ski run to that 
to your angle of attack that that place in the in the rise line um and you use that time to build that platform on the outside on the uphill ski so that when you get there you've got a strong platform that you could really push against uh-huh. so um you know and i think i think you can get away with talking about it like that to certain athletes but in terms of be- becoming very actually like legitimately fast I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know if I can really get behind staying on the outside ski longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, on that regard, you know, we've talked about flattening out the uh, the new ski early, mm-hmm. right? You know, kind of an independent foot movement where mm-hmm. the outside ski is still carving, but you're flattening out the inside ski to get there. Um, <clears throat> what I find with the younger guys, though, is if they rush that, then they roll it up too early. Now they're chopping the top the line off. Right. And now they're just and they run into the same thing where they OK, they roll up. They're on the new outside ski, but they don't have the pressure there. Or if they do jam on it with a forward move, they're going to ski through the panel. Yeah, you're right. I guess that's, it, it is a little bit of a flaw in my description in that, like, you know, just because you're moving to the new ski doesn't mean you need to start your turn right now. And that's and that's where skiing the skis back underneath you, I think, is a good description, because if you don't if you step off onto the new ski. It creates problems, right? Right. If you um, if you hook under the gate, right? If you just jam on that old ski and hook, that, that that's not fast. We know that. But if you're skiing the skis back underneath you in a controlled manner, a, a patience, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Ski that ski back underneath you. Then when the skis are back under the hips, then you make your move. Yeah. So I think that, you know, and, and the nice thing about ski to skis back underneath you is it's not a term riddled with precon- preconceptions and, and, and false notions, right? You can really describe it. And I've described it to my kids the way I want it to, the way I want to see it. Joe Dunn coming up with the next best, the, is this going to be the next buzzword uh, that we're going to hear on Coaches Knowles buzzing through radios all across the country, ski the ski back under you? God, I hope not, because then I'm going to get blamed for the next issue. That <laughs> well, I think either way, we've kind of found our conclusion here. And, um, you know, we've definitely explored a lot a lot of this subject without necessarily uh, pinpointing it until now. Ski the ski back under you. Um, this was the second episode of Peace Stop Season 3, I might add, with Joe Dunn and me, James Totkus, which I don't think I've really done a good job of explaining it uh, and, and one of the things that one of the critical points that NBC told us last year uh, well, as being fans of our podcast is that uh, I guess we don't do a very good job of introducing ourselves. But I, James Taco Takas, appreciate you listening to Peace Off, the official podcast of Fantasy Ski Racer. Um, please tune in again. We'll have more from Joe Dunn. Ski fast. Take chances. <laughs>